Welcome to this New Life Podcast. It is our desire that you learn all of the benefits of the abundant life that you have in Jesus Christ, so you can live your life to its fullest. Listen and be encouraged. What I want to share with you this morning, many thought was a seminar because it's 10 pages. (laughs) But I promise you, I will try to get through most of it. And... I believe when we study the Bible, we should read the books of the Bible, obviously. And then there's sometimes after you've read through it, go back and go through each chapter and pull out a nugget of truth for that moment as you're studying. But of course, the best study is reading the full book and then going back and enjoying more of the Word of God. So that's what we're going to do this morning. First, we're going to start with Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Are you ready? Now, I want you to just get your Bible or just sit there and hang on because this is a lot of word. All right, here we go. Verse 21, New King James Version. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, Even the righteousness of God through faith, and I want you all to underline that, circle that, that is most important, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and and for all and on all who believe, circle that, who believe, for there is no difference. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption hallelujah, that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. Big word, divine wrath satisfied in Christ. Divine wrath against all sin Jesus took, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. There we are again. I want you to circle that. To demonstrate his righteousness Because in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith, circle that again, in Jesus. Now, four times having faith in Christ is connected to the promise of being justified and being made righteous. So that's in Romans 3. Now go to Romans 4. What does the script, uh, Romans 4, 3 in the ESV, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, circle believed, believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. I think we have a theme here, righteousness, right standing with God, made pure, made holy, brought in, called the redeemed of God the work of atonement and the work of redemption. Romans 5, I have to admit, this is one of my favorite, starting with verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, underlined by faith again, we have peace with God. I could just sit there a moment. I pray you have peace with God, knowing that you are redeemed knowing he has atoned you and you believe in him. 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also have glory in tribulations. Hmm. Okay, this, this is relevant. Here we are, the very atonement we stand in, the very righteousness we stand in, that very glory we stand in is with us in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Verse 5, because of the love of God that has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, who was given to us. I mean, this is, a, this is gorgeous. This word is gorgeous. Verse 6, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps even for a good man someone would even dare to die. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Whoo! I'm justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath. Any wrath is not from God. We're saved from it. And eternal wrath also. Through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now, please circle that word, received the reconciliation. The ancient writers would speak a promise without condition. It's through all the books. That's how they wrote, and then wham, there's the condition. If you want to say it as a condition, it is believing and receiving and having faith in him is where your righteousness comes from. What beautiful promises, what glorious word of what our faith in Christ brings. You and I being declared righteous, justified, and reconciled to God. Your faith is not a null point. Your faith is not empty or in neutral. It is active the moment you believe God. Now, for our friends listening, the reason I so often bring in such verses like this before I speak about the amazing new covenant and the blood of Christ and the promises of God that we will read in Hebrews is because of our good friends who are universalists. I want you to see here that the full counsel of God mentions believe, receive, and faith is what attributes righteousness or is accounted to you as righteousness. You could take one verse out of there and just say, look at the whole world is reconciled. The whole world was bled for. The whole world can approach God now. But you must believe. Hallelujah. So behind these verses that I just read, the power of most of the verses that promise us reconciliation, atonement, even my faith 
in God is found, beautiful promises of this new covenant in the book of Hebrews. Of course in Romans, of course in Galatians, but today we're focusing on the book of Hebrews, which is among the books concerning atonement and the, and the meaning behind, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, what does this mean? And next week, Pastor Paul will be sharing on the Passover. And so the connection, the beauty, this is, this is our Bible, this is what it is about and walking in what Christ has purchased for us. Hallelujah. We understand deeper today what the blood of the new covenant is. So the book of Hebrews. Salvation in Christ, our great eternal high priest. You will hear the terminology of covenant and better promises. Better is mentioned 16 times in a book that only has 13 chapters. It's a better covenant, hallelujah. Oh, based upon better promises. Now this writing of Hebrews was a literary device associated with persuasive and urgent debate. Whew, so this is urgent that you know these truths so you can walk in victory. You must know these truths. It's an urgent message. The theme of Hebrews is absolute supremacy of Christ, deity and sufficiency of Jesus Christ as revealer of and as mediator of God's grace. The prologue of chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, presents Christ as God's full and final revelation. Christ. Everything is about Christ. Everything is about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Far surpassing the revelation of the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. The prophecies and promises of the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New Covenant. I like to call it the New Covenant and the Old Covenant. We do... Um, called it the New Testament and the Old Testament, but it's a covenant. Hallelujah. Christ is shown to be superior to the prophets, to angels, and to Moses. Moses was the mediator of the former covenant. Oh, good. We just have the, all I need is coffee and we're all cool here. Okay. So here are some glorious nuggets and the, one of the glorious nuggets is the last nugget in chapter 13. I'm going to read the last and then work my way back. Verse 20, now may God, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. This is how this letter closes. And because it's a 10-page sermon, I didn't know if I would get there. <laughs> so I'm reading that verse right now. By the blood of the eternal covenant. I could just stop right there and we could just start singing all over again. The blood, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. You know, within this eternal covenant is the equipping through his word 
to do everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So back to chapter one. It starts out, God in verse one, various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers and the prophets to the fathers of the prophet. In these last days has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom we also, through whom he also made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory, this is Jesus, the express image of his person. He is the express image of God. He is God, the express image of God upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than theirs, than they. Pastor Paul preached last week on the name of Jesus, the week before on prayer or vice versa. It is the name of Jesus that is exalted. Verse five, for which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son today, I've begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings forth, forth the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. In verse eight, but to the son he says, your throne, O oh God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. The deity of Christ, God in the flesh, as in John chapter 1, is spoken of here. Hebrews 2, starting with verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise, Jesus, this God, Emmanuel, God with us, took on flesh that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. Did you hear that? And that is the devil who had the power of death and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Do you know you are delivered from the power of the fear of death? because of what Jesus has done? Verse 16, for surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham, and that's us. Therefore, verse 17, he made, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful, here we go, high priest. He's called the eternal high priest, an eternal covenant 
an eternal work, a faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation, there's that word again, for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Chapter 3, Jesus, our high priest. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. You know, the book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew to Hebrews about being Hebrew and about being in the new covenant now. So Gentiles may not understand why does it weave back and forth, back and forth? Because in this book, he's showing us the contrast between the two, not to put down the old covenant, but to say a new covenant in Christ has come and how to walk in this new covenant. Because they loved Moses. We love Moses, but it's Jesus now. For this one had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Well, to say that when this was written, not all the Jews like that. But they had a, they understood, okay, we're born again. How do, it's a new covenant. And you know, let me say this to some believers now. If you're not a Jew, you're not a Jew. You're a Gentile. I have met Christians who want to go back with the types and shadows, and here we have the physical reality and manifestation of Christ, and they want to live under the old covenant. Now, we read the Psalms, and we love to study the books. We have a class called, you know, the Genesis Foundation, but it's a foundation, and then we move in to the new. I've never understood why an a new covenant believer wants to be under old covenant law or live under the old covenant rituals on, on some sense. Now, there are people that believe, you know, if you blow the shofar, the glory comes in. Well, maybe it does, but I don't have to blow the shofar for the glory to come in. I just have to mention his name. I just have to praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Hebrews 4. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions or intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. He is God. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we all must one day give an account. So this is God. This is the king. Seeing then, here we go in verse 14, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love that verse that I can go before the throne of grace because of my great high priest who is so compassionate and merciful. Hebrews 5. Every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in the things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. That was the purpose. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and, doing, and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. This is the natural order of picking a high priest, or not picking, they were from a certain line, but they were people <laughs> just like you and I. Verse 3, because of this he is required, as for the people also and for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he is called by God, just as Aaron was called. Now, Aaron was Moses' older brother, three years older than Moses. And he was not the first high priest. We will get into that. Melchizedek was the first priest. But this one was in a different line. So Aaron, many people would say, was the first high priest. So also, now listen to this in verse 5, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, you are a high priest forever. Well, other high priests would die because they're people and they die, but Jesus is a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, that's a big study about Melchizedek. And so I'll let Pastor Mylene do that next time. And, uh, <laughs> but it says of Melchizedek, he had no mother, no father, no genealogy, and Abraham paid tithes to him. He was not of the line of Aaron. So that is why Christ is in the order of. Some believe that was God, that was Christ. But Melchizedek is mentioned throughout the next four chapters. So it's a beautiful study. I just want to get back to my nuggets lest I get st stuck there on Melchizedek. Not mountain Kizedek, on Melchizedek, okay. You are a priest forever, God has said, according to the order. Well, this is According to the order, the order was the Levitical priesthood. The order is Aaron. It's a certain line, a different order now. It's a divine order. It's holy and eternal, eternal and will never end. Having been perfected, verse 9, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom he, we have much to say, like I said, much to say about him, and Pastor Mylene will do that, but it's hard to explain. Even the Bible says it's hard to explain. 
Well, then it says it's hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. You are not dull of hearing. You are listening well. Verse Hebrews 6. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Verse 19. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Well, there was a veil. There was a veil in the tabernacle that no one could go there but the high priest. If just a, a normal person would go in there, and even the high priest had to be pure, lest he would die in there to approach the Holy of Holies. And so there was the incense in there, and there was the Ark of the Covenant. And this veil, what we read about is our God, <laughs> Christ, our great high priest, went there for us. Where Jesus had gone as a forerunner on our behalf, verse 20, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 7. But this one was made a priest with an oath by one who said to him, Jesus made a priest. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Well, how many times is God going to say it? It's urgent. You must know that. That he is your high priest forever. And he has gone into the holy place with his blood for you and for me. And so I might feel rotten some days or ashamed some days or not worthy, but guess what? I am the redeemed of the Lord, and I will say so because of my high priest and his eternal sacrifice. Glory to God. You are a priest forever in verse 22. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented to continue on because of death. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he conquered death. Because he continues forever. Oh, my goodness. He never runs out of mercy. He never runs out of the covenant promises and provisions. Verse 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, we say a lot that God is making intercession for us, but in all actuality and in context, he is making intercession to those who are lost and to the uttermost. God is standing in his priestly, Christ is standing in his priestly position, making intercession for those to come back to him or come to him. Hebrews 8, we're doing pretty good here. Verse 6, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better. The new covenant is better. It actually says the old has faded away. It doesn't mean we don't respect the Old Testament, not at all. 
We're just standing in the, the new covenant. He mediates a better covenant since it, it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would, ha would have been no occasion to look for a second. Hebrews 9. Verse 1, but Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Now that you have to circle verse 12, not with the blood of goats and of calves, but with his own blood he entered the holy place once and for all, once and for all. You might feel lost one day, say the next day, what? If you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved, my dear friend. He entered the holy place once and for all. And what did he do there? He obtained eternal redemption. Oh, my goodness. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, verse 14, how much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is a mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. And guess what? He is calling everyone. Praise be unto God. Chapter 9 is so marvelous. Verse 21. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things were purified with blood, for without the shedding of blood there is no remission. Verse 24, for Christ has entered the holy place, the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but he has not entered the place made with hands, excuse me, the holy place, but he entered heaven itself. <clears throat> he entered heaven itself. He entered now to appear in the presence of God for us. <sighs> it's all what he has done. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another, verse 26, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Oh, Lord Jesus. Hebrews 10, verse 10. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. You have been sanctified. This is your atonement. This is redemption. And it all started.
the foundation of all of this glory that we receive is from Romans, that because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's imputed to you or accounted to you as righteousness. Well, where does this all come from? All that we have read in Hebrews. Let me read that again because it's such a beautiful verse. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Verse 11, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when Christ, but when Christ, but when Christ offered, offered, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin himself, he sat down at the right hand of God. This is so important. You know, a few weeks ago, when we were having a prayer meeting, somebody mentioned in the prayer meeting with no malice, just the way they prayed, they said, they said, um, I draw a bloodline. Or they say, I apply the blood. Or I plead the blood. Does it make you bad to do that? <laughs> I'm not saying there's malice. I'm saying the finished work of Christ, you never have to add that ever. He already applied the blood. He already applied the blood. He pleaded his own blood before the Father. He is the bloodline. It's done. It does not make my prayer any more powerful to add that to it because it's already done. It's already done. I just have to stand in faith and believe his promises and exalt his name. Woo! Hallelujah. All right. And he says in Hebrews 10, verse 15, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying this, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, that I will put my laws on their hearts and write them in their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Oh, You're already his beloved. The sin that he will remember your sin no more is the sin that separated you from God. That sin, not if you're being, you know, dumb and stealing and you're going to have some consequence. But this sin is the sin that separated you from God, is dealt with. Hallelujah. Okay, Hebrews 11, we're doing good. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their condemnation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the wor word of God. So that what is seen was not made of the things which are visible. Faith and the works of Christ, his blood already applied. This is why we don't add to our prayers, like I said, plead the blood, apply the blood. And it wasn't condemnation, it was commendation. Hebrews 12, therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us and weighs us down and let us run with endurance the race before us. You know why, my friends? You know why you can lay aside every sin that so easily distracts you and entangles you because of every provision of the covenant. Because of the cross, because of the blood, God purchased victory for you to walk in. And now what do we do? By his holy word and the Holy Spirit, we renew our mind to all that he has purchased. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the finished work of Christ. This is it. I stand daily and praise him for what he has done. And by that, it's immense what he has done. He is willing that no man would perish, but all would come into the knowledge of the truth. Is because he's already taken his blood to the holy place and has dealt with sin on our behalf. Hebrews 13, through him, verse 15, through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Ooh, I like that verse. That acknowledge his name, that's ESV. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices God is pleased. And we will end with the very verse we began with. Verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought you again from, brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, how great is our God. How great is our God. We even have eight minutes left, don't we? Ooh, where's a worshiper? Where are they all? Let's sing something. We got eight minutes. They passed out. How beautiful is the blood of the lamb. And that is why, actually, why we believe it's so easy to get saved. Because God did all the work. We just need to believe in his son. We don't have to kneel. You, you can. You can weep if you want, but you don't have to. You know, you can get saved just by calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people do get saved by weeping and crying, and that's okay, and remembering all their sins, and they pour their sins out to God. And that's fine. When I got saved, I just confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. That's really all I did. I wasn't even aware of sin that much until a year after I got saved, and I started reading the book of Romans, because he's done a mighty work. Saying it's easy to get saved is not diminishing the work of the cross. 
I'm saying he's done the work. And the power of believing in him, where you become born again in a new creation. What an incredible message. I want to wrap this up with a, a verse that everybody's heard probably all over the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, gave that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Every one of you that's watching today, you qualified as a whosoever. And as Shadi was sharing today, all the work has been done by Jesus. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. It's already been done. The gift has already been given. Jesus has already offered himself, given himself. The blood has already been shed. Love has already been demonstrated. Forgiveness and acceptance is available to all. If you cannot remember the day where you realized I'm in need of a savior, if every man and woman did not need a savior, then the creator of heaven and earth would not have sent him. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto the knowledge of the truth. And the truth is, we need a savior. We need him. In fact, when he was born, the angels began to sing and declare, run to us, a child is given, a, a, a savior is born, a son is given. For unto you is born a Savior. And you know what a Savior does? He saves. He delivers. He makes whole. He loves. He accepts. And He forgives. The greatest thing that we can do is allow God to change our hearts. Change begins on the inside. And then He begins to work on our outside. Too many people think that their life is going to be great and things are going to turn around as they try to fix everything that surrounds them. No, if you want to get your life together, if you want to see real change come, you want to see real freedom and joy, it is not the rearranging of circumstance or situations. It's getting your heart right. It's knowing that Jesus is Lord of your life. The Bible says if any man, if any person, it's conditional. That means, have you received him? If any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I want to lead you in a prayer. Maybe you need to make this decision. Maybe you need to make this real in your life. I know when I was born. I know the month and the day that I was born. I celebrate that birthday every year. Same with my wife and my children. You need to know the day, not just that you were born, but that you were born again. That you not only have a physical birth, but a rebirth, a spiritual birth, being born again. If you've never received Jesus as Lord, received to acknowledge him, Lord, I have need of, your, of you in my life. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way. I want you to pray this very, very simple prayer with me. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. When he died on the cross, 
he shed his blood as a payment for my sins. He took my place. He took my shame, my guilt, my condemnation. And he receives and forgives and washes away all my sin. Today, I receive him. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart and declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. I thank you for loving, accepting, and forgiving me. From this day forward, I will walk with you and serve you with all my heart. I declare I am delivered from death into life, from darkness into light, and I am free. I belong to you, as your word says. As many as received him, to them he gave the power, the right, and the privilege to be called sons and daughters of God. I thank you that you are my father, and I am saved, and I am free, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We're praying for you. I pray that every word that is shared today resonates in your heart, helps to change some thinking in your mind, and that you realize that God is in you, that he's with you, and that he's for you. Father, I thank you for visiting every heart, every home, every family, strengthening people in every issue and circumstance in their life. Cause a faith to continue to grow on the inside of them, where their hope is continuously arising, where there is a courage and a strength and a peace that is filling every aspect of their life. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God's powerful word can bring a change in your situation and transform your life. So we encourage you to share this message to your family and friends so they too can know of the new life that God has for them. If you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or was simply blessed by this message, we invite you to connect with us. Follow us on Facebook at newlife.ph, Instagram at newlife underscore ph, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Life Media PH. You can also email us at connect at newlife.ph. We will be so glad to hear from you. To support the ministry, please visit newlife.ph slash alabang slash give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. God bless you.